Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Out of My Mind podcast. I'm your host, Keith Crosby. In this podcast, we look at this crazy world around us through the lens of God's Word with a Christian worldview. In today's podcast, we begin a series of podcasts on the demise of the United Methodist Church. To get us started, I'd like to read an excerpt from a recent magazine article in Christianity Today. Here's the headline. United Methodist Churches down 7,659 churches as exit window approach. The article continues. The rupture of the United Methodist Church, UMC, is nearly complete. As the window closes on a temporary plan allowing disfiliations, nearly one out of four of the denomination's 30,000 congregations decided to split over issues of sexuality and authority. This month marked the final push to exit before the December 31st deadline, according to United Methodist News Service. This is the largest denominational divide in the United States since the Civil War. While there have been several notable church schisms in the 20th century, none involve more than 600 or 700 separating congregations. The UMC split is more than 10 times as large. This is the end of the magazine article. There is apparently a new denomination developing out of this called the Global Methodist Network, globalmethodist.org. This network is a collection of churches with a more of a biblical worldview who have left the Methodist Church. The demise comes after a relatively brief history in the United Methodist Church. People do not realize that the United Methodist Church is a relatively young institution. According to the United Methodist Church website, the United Methodist Church was created on April 23, 1968, when the Evangelical United Brethren Church and the, and the Methodist Church joined to form a new denomination. What they don't tell you is that both of these groups were dying out, and they merged to survive because even way back then, they had departed from accepting the scriptures as authoritative. And so their decline continues today in this new form, the United Methodist Church. And this church has only lasted from 1968 to 2023. It's only 55 years old. This topic is near and dear to my heart because I grew up in the United Methodist Church at Wesley Monumental Methodist Church in Savannah, Georgia. I was confirmed there, and I served as an acolyte there for over a year. I met my first born-again Christian there, a man named Marshall Morgan. He was an older man who was an anomaly because he refused to teach the prescribed curriculum, and instead he tried to teach a bunch of 10- and 11-year-old boys the Bible. Now, his class later became co-educational, and my younger sister experienced the blessing of sitting under his teaching. I left Wesley Monumental Methodist Church when I was about 12, after two events took place there in my life. The first event was we had an intern come to us, and she was apparently in seminary, and she explained to us that Jesus did not know he was the Messiah or what his purpose was until his baptism, and then, in quotation marks, you might say, he saw it so clearly. Well, I'd had enough Sunday school to know that that didn't square with the Jesus story. I had been told always that Jesus wasn't a regular man because the Virgin Mary was his mother and we had the virgin birth and the Christmas story told us that he was the son of God. And then you have that account in Luke chapter 2 where Mary and Joseph lose him on a caravan and they find him back in Jerusalem in the temple asking and answering questions. And when they scold him for disappearing on them, he said to them, you know, something to the effect of what, what didn't you expect to find me about my father's work in my father's house? And so the idea that he suddenly got it at his baptism just seemed to contradict what we've been taught in the Bible in Sunday school in those early years. 
The second and final blow came in what I would call my seventh grade Sunday school class, where my teacher told us that not to take the Bible too seriously, that it was a book of stories, and the miracle stories and some of the teachings were a little exaggerated and blown out of proportion and were really more like fables or legends. Well, I had this nagging idea that the Bible was true because Mr. Morgan had taught us it was true. And what I had grasped from his teaching indicated that the Bible might be God's word. So discouraged, I left church then and I did not return until I was almost 30 years old when I was invited by the personnel director of my company to attend church. And over that summer, I began to read the Bible and take it seriously, and I was radically converted. I kept tabs on the United Methodist Church through the years. In seminary, I did research around 1999 or 2000 and came into contact with members of the so-called confessing movement in the United Methodist Church. I interacted with them through email, and I talked to one of their leaders. The confessing movement seemed to take the Bible more seriously than the rest of the United Methodist Church, and their goal was a was an admirable one. Their goal was to return the church to the ministry philosophy of the Wesleys of Whitfield and Asbury. They were a lay-led movement, and they were up against a top-down hierarchy. This group actually disbanded in January of 2023 because they felt they had succeeded in setting into motion a chain of events that led to today's schism. Uh, In their minds, they had accomplished their mission because they had alerted numbers of people to the drift and dangers of the present United Methodist Church. Now, make no mistake, these people in the confessing movement were not rabid fundamentalists. Uh, They weren't even biblical conservatives, but they were moored more tightly or more closely to the Bible and the creeds of Christendom, and and they came to realize that the Methodist Church's hierarchy's embrace of sexual deviancy, odd political causes and movements, was taking the denomination or had, had taken the denomination in the wrong direction. And what's going on here is this. They had sort of a Joshua 24, uh, 14, and 15 kind of moment in the history of their denomination. You know what the passage says? It talks about the children of Israel. Joshua is leading them. They're about to go into the promised land, and they come to this fork in the road. And Joshua says in Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This confessing movement chose to serve the Lord. The majority of the United Methodist Church chose to serve something or someone else. And so they had to move on. And many churches did. One in four. Because you're you're dealing with a hierarchy that believes there's more than one way to heaven, which is contrary to the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. They 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 actively advance the LGBTQ plus plus agenda. And, and some of the churches have even had drag queen Sundays, and there has been no sanction. And so people People had to choose between complacency and loyalty to Christ, which is to say that people had to choose between the God of the Bible and the gods of the various district superintendents, complacent pastors, and others not looking to make waves. People have chosen to stay because all their friends are there, and that's wrong. That's just wrong. I'm sorry. All of these churches do at least one thing in common which helps people feel comfortable with their error. They keep the outer trappings of a church. They wear robes. They recite creeds, responsive readings. They do Bible readings. They sing hymns. At least one does the acolyte thing and has got a huge pipe organ. They do tell Bible stories. It's the spin that's troubling. There's God speak, right? But there's no call to repentance in their sermons. There's no call to repent and believe the gospel, no invitations to embrace Christ. And if you go online to the Methodist data site, you have decades 
of their records of conversions and baptisms, and the results are frankly startling and disappointing. Do people meet Christ there? Rarely, if ever. Now, all of these churches are filled today with nice people, but what you have here, as one theologian describes it, parallels Old Testament Israel soon after Joshua's passing and the passing of his generation. There's this generation that has sort of risen up that knows not the Lord or the wonderful things he did for Israel. And this reminds us And this sort of explains what's going on there. Denominations, movements, associations, Bible colleges, and seminaries all die pretty much in the same way, like the United Methodist Church. There is a generation or two or three that strongly believes God's Word. They study it. They understand it. They're doctrinally sound. They're they're careful in their practice, and they make a difference in the world. And eternities are changed as people come to Christ and are saved from sin, death, and hell. Then there's a succeeding generation who assumes such things to be true, that Jesus is the only way, that the Bible is true, and things like that. But but they're not as committed to the details of the faith, to the theology, to the doctrine, to understanding God's will, to knowing what God's will is in detail. They're great people. They love their parents. They love the Lord. They are there somewhat by tradition and somewhat by habit, but they're still believers. And they're, But they're busy with life in a modern world. They're busy with kids and careers. And so their Bible knowledge declines. Their understanding of God declines. They rely on experts, you know, clergy, to know that kind of stuff. They, they read popular Christian self-help books, and they often do so uncritically, their consciences, if guilty at all, are soothed by the trappings, the pageantry, the outer appearance of church, going through the motions, ill-equipped to grapple with the slings and arrows of this life, and answer the larger existential questions for themselves or their children. And they fail to realize what they've not been taught, and why they often can't cope, because they don't have the answers. Now, they send their kids to VBS Sunday school, but they fail to notice that their church has become more of a social club, kind of like the place where everybody knows your names. And they become lukewarm over time. And perhaps some were never really converted anyway. They have no conversion testimony. And so while earlier generations truly, truly believed and studied and applied the Word of God with diligence, they less so. They've kind of become almost lukewarm. Like I said, they believe these things are true. They're just not so excited about them. Then comes the next generation of their sons and daughters. They've seen their parents' example. They've seen their parents become a little complacent. They've seen the shift in the priority of their parents between their grandparents and their parents, and they've learned. They become imitators not of God as dear children, but imitators of their parents. And as their lives resemble that of the surrounding secular culture, their parents cannot understand their children's conduct or unspoken yet functional atheism. And what they don't realize is it's not that their kids have overtly rejected God. They just don't have time for him or he's not a priority. I mean, some might reject God and become atheists, but generally their kids are good kids because these are good people. At least they're outwardly good kids. And some of them are unsaved good kids. They don't deny that God exists. He's just immaterial to their thought process and daily life. And the drift away from God accelerates in the church. And eventually, eventually, the unbelievers outnumber the believers and a schism takes place. And those kind of schisms are good. And this schism in the United Methodist Church is good. It's it's wonderful because today the United Methodist Church stands in opposition to Jesus Christ and no Christian should be associated with it. For more understanding of that, you should go to your Bible and look up 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 8. And, and that's why there's this remnant breaking off, right? Because they still take the Bible and the traditions more seriously, and that's why one in four congregations are leaving the United Methodist Church. But then there's this majority who won't leave. They either buy in, they're all in, 
or they're just not comfortable leaving because all their friends are there. But you have to ask yourself the question, how can you put your friends ahead of Jesus Christ? Jesus said in Luke 14, 26 and 27, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is, his point is, choose today whom you're going to serve. He's not telling you to hate these people. He's just telling you to prioritize him over everyone and everything else. And that's not what's going on with three quarters of the United Methodist Church. And anyone or anything that you value above him is your priority, which means you're valuing people, places, or things more than God. And you're violating the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. I mean, think about it. Christ has sacrificed so much for you. What wouldn't you sacrifice for him? And it's not that he doesn't understand schisms because he talks about it in Matthew 10, 34 and 35. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. So you understand that Jesus separates the believer from the unbeliever vis-a-vis their loyalty and devotion or lack of to him. And so Christians had to leave the Methodist Church. Christians had to leave the United Methodist Church. Be glad they did. And for those who are trying to decide whether to stay or go, choose today whom you will serve. Will you prioritize Jesus or not? It is time to take up your cross and follow after him and leave your local United Methodist Church and find a church that really believes and teaches the word of God and worships the God of that word and serve there. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. We'll continue this series on the United Methodist Church and its self-destruction next week when we talk about the United Methodist Church, its implosion, and its numbers. Until then, this is Keith Crosby signing off. May God bless you and keep you.